Hey, I'm Tiffany Woise, and this is the best of What's Mine is Yours. Good morning. Morning. There's some coffee behind me. Great, just what I need. What do you want to write today? I did have this one idea. Have you ever heard a song and felt like it was yours? That it was written for you? Me too. And that's why I moved to Nashville, Tennessee to record and sing songs written by people who have written songs you've heard. The songs you have grown to love, the songs you were raised on, and the songs that you've attached your stories to. Come along with me as I interview songwriters who write the words that inspire all of us. This is What's Mine is Yours. Jeffrey Steele. Jeffrey Steele. Where do I even begin? Well, first of all, icon, right? Jeffrey has written some of country music's biggest hits for some of country music's largest artists, such as Diamond Rio, Tim McGraw, Rascal Flatts, Montgomery Gentry, and Eric Church. Jeffrey is a five-time Grammy nominee and has had over 63 million airplays for songs he has written. But let me tell you, just walking in to his own studio. Uh, This was one of the few guests that I went somewhere else to record this interview. And from the moment I walked in, I just looked around and there was, I can't even tell you how many awards and accolades were hanging and you couldn't even see the walls anymore. So I remember looking at him and saying, oh my gosh, you're running out of wall space. And his response to me was, Oh, like these things that this is this means nothing. And I was kind of taken back by that. I didn't I didn't really know exactly what to think. And then when I got to sit down and talk to him, it it, it just it made so much sense. Not that the awards didn't mean anything. It's just that's not what matters. To him, what matters is watching people react to the words he's written, to getting to see people hug one another, embrace one another. Seeing how the songs impact audiences, that to him is the true reward. And I love that. I thought that was such a breath of fresh air, to be honest, because at first, you know, I didn't know how to take that comment. It was like, ah, this, uh, don't even care about these. And I'm just kind of like, whoa. But then when you got to know him, it all just made sense. When I got Hall of Fame election, my first thing, and, and everybody joked about it because I thanked, you know, you're not supposed to thank anybody because you end up forgetting somebody. Mm-hmm. I thanked every musician who ever played on a demo because uh-huh. there were so many session players that came in and came up with riffs. And I was one of these guys when they were tuning, like I was telling you that tuning the guitar story, that's what that taught me. I would get into the studio and I, I'd listen to them before the session started. They'd be playing, they'd be looking at the chart, like tuning and playing stuff and getting sounds and and then the guitar player would go, wang a wang a dang 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 I go, me and my gang. I go, that's the mm. lick. That's the, I want you to play that riff for the song. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, it made me aware. I was always trying, and I still do, I try to stay aware of little nuances, mistakes, flaws, um, idiosyncrasies, all the failures in people. And the quirks are the successes. They are. They're all successes. They're they all are. a million dollars. Mm-hmm. If you want to look at it in monetary terms. But sure. but if from a creative sense, all the best things come out of the all the little quirky stuff. Yeah. 
And that's what I like. And I, and, I, and I know I talk a lot, but I just, whenever I get a mic in front of me, I know there's people that might want to be songwriters. And I'm telling you, that's the gag. That's the game. That's the gig. Um, I've been doing this now for going in my, you know, 40th year, 45 years, maybe, you know, um, I've been singing since I was 15 professionally. So I'm 60 years old, you know, so 45 years of I'm still here. Yeah. And I got a new song coming out. And it's, again, not bragging, but it's just, I try to always say, man, keep it here. Keep it in your heart. Never lose sight of who you are, like, and, and, and keep evolving and realizing that the business is going to keep, you can't get married to the business because the business is going to leave you on the street corner. Mm-hmm. It's going to leave you behind at some point, no matter yeah. how, look, look at Sting. At some point, his career pinnacle. Of course. He's a legendary act now that everybody knows, most people know anyway, but he, his thing kind of pinnacle just like the Beatles did mm-hmm. at some point, even though they're still the most known band of all time. At some point it zenithed and you're a star. That's, that's where the term star comes from. You burn out mm. at some point you may shoot and be really quick or you may burn forever, but at some point you burn out and there's other stars. And, I didn't and, know that. I didn't know that's kind of where that. that yeah. And, and that's kind of like the metaphor of being a star, like the, the shining brightly. Sure. And then at some point you burn out or you're a, you're a flash in the yeah. pan, as they say, you're Yeah. a shooting star that has the biggest song ever. And then where'd they go? 10 years later. Yeah. We've seen that. I was in a band like that. Mm-hmm. We had the biggest song of the year that year. And then, like I said, when I finally, you know, get my, my two feet in the ground, it's billboard magazine is going to say former bass player from boy, howdy passes away, mm-hmm. in, you know, in freak songwriting accident. <laughs> Whatever the hell it is. Is there any artists that have put your songs that you have not met them? Bob Seger. Okay. Never met Bob. He cut a song of mine called something in the water with little feet. And, um, Met the Little Feet guys, but never met Bob. Cher. Um, Cher cut uh, Hope You Find It on her last album, which is the craziest thing. Mm-hmm. Miley Cyrus had cut that song for a movie, another movie, and they never singled it. And Cher loved that song. And she goes, I'm going to make an album again one day, and I want to cut that song. And I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Miley Cyrus just recorded it for this movie, and it's she's going to be putting it out on the soundtrack and and then like 10 years later or not 10 years but almost 10 years then she shares uh, manager called me and said hey is that song still available because because she's going to make that album for, she wants to sing that one for her daughter you know her daughter obviously went through uh, mm-hmm. everything she went through and uh, she wanted to say that to her and and that, that was a crazy moment you know wow I mean, and, yeah. and, and again full circle my dad loved Cher hmm I sat with my dad and watched the Sonny and Cher show in the 60s when I was a little kid. Don't remember it, but I remember Cher standing there eight feet tall with her belly button, the sexiest thing I'd ever seen. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like an eight, eight-year-old kid is my introduction into the sexuality because that's what that was yeah. at the time. And, you know, and Sonny's standing there like three feet high. Yeah. Like, oh, what the hell is this about? You know? So full circle again, but but Cher was an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of the country acts uh, that have cut my stuff I've either become really good friends with or pretty good friends, like, mm-hmm. which I'm very respectful of too. And like I said, I, I don't like to throw songs at them unless I really think I have something they might like. I, I, I'm afraid to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm crossing a line. Rascal Flats is obviously no stranger to your work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've already talked about these days. And I think I've seen 
like I told you earlier, I've, I've Rascal Flats is a huge reason as to why I, mm-hmm. I, I'm an artist. And mm-hmm. I've seen, I think, every tour uh, up until like for me to, you know, start going to concerts. Does it ever feel surreal to you that you are a major part of their show? I think yeah. out of a two hour show, I would say your work fits about 30 minutes of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think every show I've seen, I've seen, I've heard these days, what hurts the most, my wish and me and my gang all played in the same show. Every day I, you saved my life. That one too. That was a big one. That they play that at least though yeah. I at least know those four every show yeah. without without Absolutely. fail without fail yeah without fail yeah. is that yeah. completely surreal to you that you make up like at least a third of their show? Yeah, it's it's humbling. Um, and it, 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 the first time I saw they took they took me out. You know, we went to go write songs, and they took me out on the bus. And you know, you're at your you're not really thinking about it. And you get out there mm-hmm. and you see, I'm seeing all these moms hugging on their kids. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, you know, I lost my kids, so uh, you see, I'm seeing all these moms hugging on their kids. Mm-hmm. And you realize, like, like the, the uh, sorry about that. You're the responsibility of the gig when you get the shit right, when you get the shit right. And and none of us really know how to get the shit right. You know what I'm saying? Like we're just we're such screwballs. Like we're so we're idiots. We're knuckleheads. Like and we're walking, we're tightrope walking in this world with all these crazy fucking people. Like you know, whether I'm with like Miley Cyrus or Billy Gibbons or Rascal Flatts or Tim McGraw or Eric, I'm just a knucklehead, dude. Bass player guy. You know what I mean? That's yeah. all I am. And when you're sitting in a crowd and you're like, whether you're backstage or you're in the crowd and you're hearing everybody sing back and these I'm lyrics. And moms are hugging on their kids <laughs> and singing to them like it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and it was the end of mine, you know. And uh, I wrote that song for my for my youngest daughter at the time. She was 13. and uh, This is my wish, yeah. My wish. Hmm. And... and uh, and I was just trying to, like, like Aaron wanted just to write a song for his fans. I was just trying to write a song for my daughter that day. I told her I was going to write her a song. And I wrote my wish. And uh, it's a TV show. It's like ESPN has made it a TV show for cancer patients that want to meet their favorite athlete. It's written on the halls of the Children's Hospital in Memphis. It's uh, It's beyond my scope of... It's everybody's wedding song. It's everybody's first dance. It's everybody's graduation song. Uh, it's beyond my scope. Steve Robson, who's the guy that I wrote these days with, mm-hmm. the first story, with, you know, we talked about the track guy mm-hmm. from London. They started sending me over to work with him, obviously, because we had a number one song. We never met each other. And they started sending me over to London to write with him for all these pop projects. So I was writing for Westlife and all these pop bands over in London. Love Westlife. There was no Rascal Flats. <laughs> there was really no Rascal Flats at that time. Um, you know, they just got a record deal. Mm-hmm. So I'm just writing songs. You know, I wasn't. You know, and and so when I when I was playing them for people in Nashville, they're like, "Dude, this shit's not country." And I'm like, "Well, I was in London writing with this guy for this pop band, but it's got a kind of a country vibe to it. You know, the lyrics kind of country and." So there was no act to do this song. 
You know, I played like Mark Wills heard it and he wanted to cut it, but it didn't work out. Faith Hill cut it, but it didn't work out. Aerosmith had it on hold, but it didn't work out. This is what her song is. We were doing so much writing together at that time. Mm -hmm. And in in the middle of that, I'm this rocker. When I'm playing my guitar, everybody knows it's going to be a drop D and a bunch of flat seven chords and flat three. You know what I mean? It's going to be a bunch of riffs. It's going to be Southern Rock. It's going to be Creedence Clearwater. It's not going to be pop. So that whole time for me, just with Steve developing as a lyricist only, I was only writing lyrics. I wasn't playing my guitar. So that was another side of me that I didn't know as a songwriter. It was a whole other me writing a song because I was forced, like I said, to be a guitar player with my lyrics, to be able to just jam lyrics to Steve's tracks. Um, and that kind of made me, I'm way off your question right no. now, but, and it's just another quick sidebar to what hurts the most. The title was what means the most just for the songwriters out there that might be listening. The title was what means the most. And I had no idea what I was doing when I was writing that song. It was for my dad who had passed away and I was writing for him years later as a tribute. And I started with the middle eight because that was the catchiest part of Steve's track. Afraid to cry every once in a while, even though going. It was just an easy thing for me to pocket a lyric to. And then I went back and got a verse going. And then I got the chorus going. And the chorus was what means the most, was being so close. And I went in to sing the vocal. We were over in London. And I went in to sing the vocal in the booth. And I fucked up. Sorry. cussing a lot. No, you're okay. I screwed up. And I, I sang What Hurts the Most by accident. So to the songwriters out there in the world... It's not over until it's on the radio. Mm-hmm. Steve stopped me and I said, I said, I know, I know, I know. I sang it wrong. Give it to me again. He goes, no, 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 no. Come in here. I said, just give it to me again. I, I know what, what hurts the most. What an idiot. He goes, no, listen to it. Listen to the chorus with what hurts instead of means over the E minor. Mm-hmm. And there was another songwriting lesson as a songwriter at that time. I went, Wow. Hurt on an E minor is pretty effective. Means, the word means on an E minor, not so effective. Mm -hmm. Little details to my style of writing that I went, okay, okay, yeah. And if I I play that chord, what hurts? Immediately it's like, Mm oh, what means? Never would have been a hit. But but to the songwriters out there, it ain't over till it's over. And don't be afraid to fall on your face. Don't be afraid to make mistakes because sometimes the mistakes are the hit songs. Mm-hmm. And then the backside of that story, I, the whole time while Steve made the track, I was sitting there with my guitar going. Which makes an audience just that. What it does to an audience, yeah. is unlike I've ever seen anything, is it was, I think, to, as this, soon day, you hear it, it, to no. this day, that is the song. It was all, when I was on the road, that was the biggest cover that went over well yeah, to an and, audience. Because you don't have to have an intro. No. Just that is the, the intro. The lesson learned by that, and, and I, I played it the whole time because I, I'm not used to not playing my guitar while I'm writing a song. I'm just writing lyrics mm-hmm. for Steve. And he's like, he's like, in his English accent, he's like, would you go out there and play that bloody bollocks of a lick? You won't. I said, no, I'm just noodling around. He goes, just go play it. So I'm, you know, I can take a right. And it becomes the thing, you know. And, and that was another lesson learned from a guy that grew up in the 70s on guitar riffs. 
It doesn't have to be an elaborate guitar riff. It just has to be a guitar riff. But but sometimes the stupid little stuff. On the next episode of What's Mine is Yours. Alex Klein, hi. Hi. You are a part of Making History recently. You were a part of the song Somebody Like That, the Tennille Arts song that you produced, helped co-write, mm-hmm. and it was an all-female smash. Tell me about that experience. Well, it was Allison Veltz, Cruz, and Tennille and myself, and it was only the second song we ever all wrote together. Wow. Yeah. We were wanting to do something positive. We wrote that chorus, and we knew that there was something really special about it. We like to joke that that song manifested Tennille's current boyfriend that she's been with for three He's and a half nice years. guy. Yeah, because they met shortly after that. But we wrote half of it that day, and then I think a couple weeks later we got together and finished it. When we turned that into our team, everyone just was like, oh my God. We knew that we loved it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I love things and people are like, eh. <laughs> but they were like, this is the thing. I think you start getting jaded in this town at a certain point. What kind of shot does this new female artist, which already new female, strikes against you and then tiny label? I'd be stoked if we cracked the top 50 with this song. And so to have it do what it did, I was in disbelief that it was going to go all the way. That will bond us together for life. We're all sisters because of that shared experience and the ride. Because it all starts with a song and a songwriter. Hey, thanks for listening to What's Mine is Yours, the podcast with Tiffany Woods. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can stay updated with all things What's Mine is Yours by visiting WMIYpodcast.com or following me on socials at Tiffany Woys and the podcast at WMIYpodcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Recorded in Nashville, Tennessee. Produced in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Tiffany Woys in conjunction with Roundhouse Entertainment. Executive producers Tiffany Woys and The Ed Hill. Original music from Robert Shavers and Kiefer Thompson. Recorded and engineered by Robert Shavers. You can check out my music on all streaming services and a special playlist we've created for each episode with songs written by each guest only on Spotify. Thanks for listening to What's Mine is Yours.